Well, let me tell you something. Do we have any older women here? <laughs> this word is for you. This word is for you. Do we have any older guys here? Yeah, come on. This word is for you. This word is for you. Do we have any teenagers here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This word is for you. Do we have any young, young women of God here? That this woman is. This word is for you, you young women, you older. Women. Look, there's five groups of people we're going to talk about here today. From this word, this letter that goes out to Titus from the Apostle Paul. Now, now this. let me just set this up so we can read it. And we're going to read it together. And it's, 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 I'm just going to go through it verse by verse. I'm going to pretty much get this done in the next 40 minutes. I want to be able to get this word to you because this word, it really is for you. And it sums up what we are teaching here, but also why we had doctrine for the block this past weekend. This past weekend. That's what we're going to do. Um, let me set this up. Paul writes a letter to one of the young ministers in the faith, a pastor called Titus. Now, this letter is written to Titus is because there's a lot of legalism going on in the churches around his, around his region. There's a lot of false doctrine being taught around his region. So he writes this letter to him and gets him to prepare and how to do church, appoint elders, get his ecclesiology together. In other words, how to structure church is very important. So this letter comes to him because of all these problems that are happening. Now, there's a lot of churches around the valley. There's a lot of churches around the world that are teaching heresy, okay? But there's a difference between uh, teaching heresy and then teaching error. There's a lot of good churches, a lot of good churches around the valley, but at times they kind of teach error. So you should be able to study and know the difference between the two. A church that teaches heresy is one that impedes salvation. Matter of fact, there is no Jesus that can save there, or there's a different religion to try to get you to God that cannot save you. That's heresy. Then there's other ones that are that have Pretty good foundational doctrine, pretty good truth, but they, they operate in error. And you should be able to differentiate the two. Like when there's error there, like you are sitting there, and when a pastor is speaking to you, when he's teaching you something, and you should be able to cringe, like, oh, that's not necessarily true. But I'm going to sit there and be obedient. I don't know why God has me at this church, but I need to be at this church. I need to pray for this church. I need to pray for the pastor that's behind the pulpit. And you probably need to be obedient. Those people need to stay there and pray for their pastor. That's a church that has a spirit of error. But things can be corrected. Amen? Amen? Things can be corrected. So there's this letter to Titus, and it goes out to Titus, and, he's, and he gets this letter, and we're going to begin with this letter. So like we always do, this, like I said, this word is for you young people. This word is for the kids. This word is for Julian today. This word is for you, all right? So check this out. What we do, like we always do, we always stand for the reading of God's word. If you are physically able, please stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. If you have your Bibles, you should be turned to the book of Titus chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Titus 2, verse 1. It reads as follows. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. 
Bond servants or slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but show, uh, showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly, uh, and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works verse 15 declare these things exhort and rebuke with all authority let no one disregard you you may now be seated amen Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for another wonderful Sunday morning that you have blessed us with, where we comfortably come together as a church family to read your word, to grow in your word, as we study Paul's letter here today to Titus, a pastor in the region of Crete, who encountered all type of legalism, who encountered all type of, of different doctrine from Judaizers and such as the like. We thank you, Lord, that this letter is very applicable to us today. It will teach us things that, that you've God breathed yourself. This is from you, you being the divine author, using Paul to minister your word to us here today. Help us to apply it to our life as older men, as younger men, as older women, as younger women, as kids, and also people who are employers and employees. We give you the glory and the honor for the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As pastors, as this letter comes to a pastor, and this, this job is, as a pastor, he's mandated to teach this. He's, he's actually mandated to preach this word to you. He can't refrain from it. He has to preach it. He has to teach it. He has, he has a letter that he's been given by Paul. He says, you are mandated to teach this very word, not to shy away from it. Because sometimes if you shy away from some of the things that may be offensive to you, and I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you know what? We can't worry about that. We have to read the word of God and minister the word of God to you. So if it's mandated for me to do it, that means my moral obligation is to live by it. I have moral obligations to live by the very word that I'm speaking to you from behind this pulpit. So it's very, very serious as a pastor. So this letter goes out to pastors. But if it's mandated for me to have a high standard of moral obligations to live by this very word, um, and it's to be given to you, how are you to receive it? What are you supposed to do with it? Well, of course, you are supposed to learn from it, and you are supposed to apply it to your life. You are supposed to do it. If I'm to teach it, you are to do it too. It's not just for me. It's for you. That's my moral obligation. It's, our, uh, it's really your moral obligation regardless of your age. That's why you young people, you little kids, this is for you. Regardless of your age, it's going to affect you. Why? Because someone's responsible for your development. All you young people here today, you young kids, us older people, we're responsible for your development. And the problem with young people and, all, and, and younger kids, they don't have anybody to look up to. And because they don't have any men or women of God who are solid in the faith, who know sound doctrine, they don't have anybody to look up to. So who do they look up to? They look up to people on TV. They look up to athletes, people who are ungodly, who don't know the word of God, who aren't teaching you about Christ Jesus. But you need to look into the people in the church. The young people who need to come to church, they need to be here. And we need to be godly examples for them. A job is to mentor them. Young women, are you mentoring a young one, uh, older women, are you mentoring a young woman? Are you mentoring a young woman? Because if you're not, then you're not doing your job. 
The older women need to mentor these young women. And sometimes they get the excuse, well, there's no young women around. Then why there's no young women around? Because the older women aren't coming to church. And they're not coming to church, so you can't mentor them to help them grow in the things of God. And this is sound doctrine. Let's go to verse 1. Let's go to verse 1. Now, from the point of the sermon, the, the title of the sermon is Right Doctrine Impacts an Unbelieving World. There's so many unbelievers out there. And, of course, we had this incredible conference where there were these classes which spoke about the unbelievers of the LBGT community, but they, yet they, they think that there's a way to God and they believe that there's a way to God. But we need to minister to an unbelieving world, people who believe in evolution. We need to minister to those who are atheists, who believe that there's a way to God or they don't exist, that God doesn't exist or their own theology about what happens when one dies. We need to be able to minister to these individuals. And so right off point number one, it says false, false doctrines surrounded Crete. They're surrounding us today. Our responsibility is to communicate God's word. It's our job. Let's go to verse one, chapter two, verse one. It says this, but as for you, meaning me, meaning the pastor, but as for you, pastor, teach what accords with sound doctrine. In other words, it has to be fitting. Teach what is fitting. This should be able to fit you. Older men are to be sober-minded. Let me speak to the older men here. Speaking to myself, right? Some of the older men that are here. Older men are to be what? It says sober-minded. We're to be dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love. Wait a minute, what's that word? In love and in steadfastness, which is patience. Okay, this is our guideline for the older men. For the older men. Why, are, why is he imploring the older men to operate in this manner in the church? You know why? Because they weren't, they weren't listening to sound doctrine. They weren't sober-minded. They were drinking too much. They weren't dignified. You couldn't respect them. He's telling you, you need to be respected. The problem with some older men in church, they're not respected. They're not respected by who? The younger people. The, the young kids are here today, like you little Carlitos. You need to look at some of the older men today and be like, yeah, I respect that man because he's a man of God. He does what he says. That's what will help change you. That's what will help grow some of you young people here today. It's because you can look at some of the older men in the church and say, that is a man worth, worth respect. I can respect him. Why? Because he does what he says. He's sober-minded. I don't see him drunk anywhere. And so the young people today need to look, us, look at us older men. Why? Because back in the days here in this, in this particular region of Crete, it doesn't have to be in Crete. It could have been everywhere around the province of Rome. Men act like this. Men are not sober-minded. Men are not respected. They're not dignified. Men don't have self-control. Men are not sound in faith because when they're not sound in faith, that means the man of God is not reading the word of God. The man, the man of God is he's coming to church, and that's all he does is sit in church, but he doesn't go home and read the Word of God. Now he does not go home and read the Word of God. He doesn't read the Word of God to his sons or his daughters or to his wife. He lets the wife do Bible study. Instead, it should be him doing Bible study. So when the wife begins to do Bible study, they begin to say, you know what? I'm the head of the house. I'm the head of the house because I'm the one teaching my kids spiritually where they need to be because my husband ain't doing it. And because... That's what begins to happen in the house. Then you're all disorganized. Then you're all disorganized. But he implores. Who does he employ here first in this letter? The older men. They're responsible. The older men are responsible. And they're to be sound in faith. It's not enough. That's why, this, that's why we were talking about George. And I also talked about uh, this with my son. About 
People that come to church, men, I'm speaking to them, I'm just speaking about the women right now. I'm like, you women, you are off the hook for a moment. I'm just speaking about the men, the men in church. Because it's not enough to come to church and say, ah, I don't want to get all deep into that theology, man. I'm good, bro. Just give me Jesus. Talk about Jesus on a Sunday and I'll, you know, I'm good. I, Jesus went to the cross to die for my sins. I'm good. I don't want to know anything else. Mm. Well, guess what? That's what you're going to teach your kids. That's all you're going to teach your kids. But if let's talk about your car. You want to know every minute detail about your car, though. You want to know every little detail about your woman. You want to know every little detail about whatever it is that really gratifies your flesh. Why? Because you want to get detailed about it. And, but when it comes to the things of God, I uh, just, hey, just talk about God. Give me the Bible. I mean, read the word every now and again. But you know what? Don't give me all that deep theology stuff. I really don't want that. But what are you saying? That is your theology. That is your doctrine. And you're going to pass that doctrine on down to your kids. And you're passing it to your wife right now if you're married. Older men, that's what you are delivering to them. That's why we need to have right doctrine because it impacts an unbelieving world. Still picking on the men. It says this, you need to be in love. It's tough for the men to be in love. It's tough for the men to stay in love. We need to be in love with, in love with Jesus, in love with the things of God. Because if you are in love and you have a great relationship with God the Father, you have a great relationship with your elder brother who is Jesus, you have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit who guides you to both of them, then it will improve all of your relationships. Amen. It'll improve your marriage. It'll improve every relationship you have. Why? Because you are in, great, in a great relationship with the Father and with Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit who implores you and pushes you to them. And you're to be steadfast. This man, in other words, you're to be patient. The people at this particular time, just like the people now, men are not patient. We need to be patient. We need to be patient. Verse number three. Someone say verse number three. Verse We're going to talk about the older women here. Okay? We're going to talk about the older women here. <laughs> now, check this out. In this, at this particular time, the older women at this particular time, this is Greco-Roman culture. Greco-Roman culture, a lot of the women were laid back. A lot of the women like to go to the, like to drink wine and sit down and kick it and talk a lot of smack. That's what they did here. But do they still do that today? Okay, so the older women who are here, young women, are you paying attention? Young women, are you paying attention? Young women, are you here paying attention? This word is for you, young women, because this is what you are not supposed to grow up to do. You are not supposed to grow up to do of this young Children, Ariana, all of you, you're not supposed to do this when you get older. Because this is what the word of God is teaching the older women not to do. But because the older women do this very thing, the young kids see them and they do the same thing their mom does. Or their Thea does. Or their grandma does. And then you want to talk about a generational girl, it's just a generational curse. No, they just see what you're doing. So in this particular region, in Crete, Greco-Roman culture... A lot of the women like to hang out and drink wine. A lot of women like to hang out together in a circle and just talk smack about their husbands. Talk smack about their friends. Talk all kind of stuff. And yet, the word of God implores them not to do a such thing. Let's go to this. Verse number three. Say verse three. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior. Not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Slaves to much wine. What does that mean? Is wine, drinking wine a sin? Of course not. You want to have a glass of wine in your home, but here, these people were, were hanging around drinking a lot of wine with their other girls. 
and just getting lit, drinking wine after wine and getting lit. Because you know when you when you get lit up, the truth then comes out. And then you start talking about your husband. Really, girl, the husband did this. He's doing the same thing at home. So you are not to be slanderers or slaves to much wine. Excessive, excessive behavior. They are to teach what is good. So older women are actually supposed to teach. Can I get an amen? amen? You are to teach younger women. You are to mentor younger women. Do you know that sometimes the younger women, um, daughters, moms, why do you think sometimes the daughters don't listen to mom? It's because you're the mom. That's why. Right? So sometimes when you have that type of problem, and not all the kids are like that. Some of the kids like to listen to mom and they pay attention to mom. Especially when mom's giving them a good word, giving them some advice about life. Some of the young women will listen to their mom. But sometimes younger women, when mom has a word to say, you ain't listening. You shut mom out. And I don't know why you do that, but we understand it's probably, you're probably, you're part of your totally depraved nature. And we teach that here. That's why you need Jesus. Okay. So if you're not going to listen to mom, what does the woman of God then do? Come to the other woman of God and says, can you help me with my daughter? Why aren't you able to help with her daughter? Some of you just go, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the people in this church because we ain't like that. I'm talking about the people outside the church then, right? Or whatever, family members. You want to have a problem. You have a problem with your daughter. You go to the woman of God. You say, woman of God, I'm having trouble with my kid. I need someone to mentor her. You should be able to pick that up and run with it. Be able to minister to that young girl. Because then she would probably listen. She'd be like, I can't believe she's taking the time to help me. I can't believe she really cares about me because I didn't think anybody cares about me. But the people in that church, the woman in that church, I can look up to her because she takes the time to come see me. She takes the time to listen to what I have to say because mom sometimes ain't listening. And you can't blame mom because she's cooking, she's cleaning, she's working too. She's doing all kind of stuff because dad is gone. And so she's got a lot of stuff to do to take care of the young child. And so that's why we need to be there with them and for them. That's why we need to be there. Hey, it's all good. If you want to go in the rooms, it's okay to go in the room and shut the door for the babies. These rooms aren't off limits. You can walk in there. So it's totally okay. That's what the job is for the young women are to do. But we need to pick this up. Just like men aren't doing their part, women need to do their part because the young women and the young generations being raised up in this generation are following culture. And they're not following the word of God. They are to teach what is good. So you know that you are able to teach. And verse 4. And so train the young women to what? Love their husband. Now, we have young marriages. And you probably have friends and family that are a young couple. They're young. And they're young in love. And they're in marriage. As soon as a problem happens, what do they do? What does that young woman do as soon as there's a problem? After the first six months, they've been married. Everything was, it was marital bliss. It was wonderful. But now it's just a little rocky now. And the first thing the woman does, instead of going to godly counsel or maybe going to someone, they go to some other person and begin to complain about their husband. While it takes a young woman of God to listen to an older woman of God to teach them how to be a good wife. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. It says here in the word. So train the young women to love their husbands because when problems happen in a marriage the young woman sometimes and it happened a lot in this culture they when a problems when problems resurface surfaces and, and things come up 
They get angry and they run and become uh, unfaithful. And they did that a lot in this culture. The young devoted wife is no longer devoted anymore. They run into the arms of another man. And so the, young, the older women are to teach the younger women the signs where they may be headed that in that direction. And it's easy to do that with today's culture with social media. Wife has a problem. Husband ain't saying she looks good no more. But let somebody on Facebook say she looks good. Oh, she's inboxing now. It's so easy to cheat in today's culture. But it, it, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. What happened then is happening now. And it takes an older woman, a woman of respect and dignity to go to this younger woman, this younger wife, and to say, what are you doing? I see what you're doing. You need to stop it. I'm going to show you what you need to do. I'm going to teach you how this works. It says to be self-controlled. It says, so train the young women to love their husbands and children. And children. When they begin to have kids, when mom has a kid, dad has a kid, all of a sudden they want to drop them off with grandma and grandpa. And drop them off all the time. And never come back and pick them up. And think it's okay. <laughs> and think it's all right. Right, Julian, man, you, you get dropped off and you get picked up. You got good parents. That's just the way it goes. Kids, you ever got dropped off because mom and dad had to have a night out? Yeah? But then they came to pick you up. Matter of fact, they cut the night off early just to go get you. And that's a good example. But there's women who are young, they're married, they have kids at a young age, and they drop their kids off, and then you're wondering, why they said they were going to be back at this time. Why ain't they back yet? Then you find out you're spending the night. They're going to pick you up tomorrow. So you, be, you are taught, taught, older women are taught to teach the young women how to be moms. A dad can't teach a daughter how to be a good mama. It takes the woman to do that. Because we got too much tough love in us. You're going to stay out at night when you ain't coming back. Shut the door all that. You know, I have dads on. <laughs> Except if you have a daughter. If you have a daughter that's different, we're going to go searching for you. <laughs> but when you have boys, like I have boys, you want to be out all night? I ain't coming to get you. Whatever happens, I told you. I told you. I told you. <laughs> it says, verse 5, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. You know, in today's age, it was, it was, it, it's a wonderful thing for a wife to stay home and to take care of the family. Yes. But it's a beautiful thing. And that's how it was then, you know, to take home. They should take, take care of the family at home. And there's a lot of good uh, moms. That, and you, if you have to be a working mom, you have to work. You have to do what you have to do to make ends meet. There's nothing wrong with that. But here it's saying for those who are home, you know, to take care of their house, to teach the young wife how to be home, to take care of her house, have the house looking wonderful and beautiful, have the dishes clean, have everything made, everything, you know, have a beautiful house, right? Have OCD if that's what it takes. I don't know, but just clean the house up. That's what you have to be taught how to do. Young women, to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled. Young women had a tendency never to be self-controlled, just like the older men could not be self-controlled, to have self-control, pure, working home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled, which means not to be discredited. Amen. Women, young women, it's okay. You have to learn to be submissive to your husband. He is your head. That's right. He is your head. But I get your complaint, you young women and older women too. 
When you say, well, I do not want to submit to him. He's not even following the word of God. How do I submit to that? Guess what? You're still supposed to submit. You're still to submit. So the word of God may not be discredited. So someone can't say, look at their marriage. Domestic, but they, they can say, they say this. Oh, he's a terrible man. He's not even doing his thing in the, as, a, as a man of God and doing what he needs to do. But she certainly is. And she's still submissive to that. Still submissive to, to the situation. That speaks volumes to everybody else. But today's culture is saying, oh, she's just stupid. Today's culture is saying, oh, she's stupid. <laughs> Follow doing that. And, but no, you are supposed to be submissive to your husband, even if he's failing as a man of God. You stay submissive, you don't cheat. You stay submissive, you pray for him. And so this, this is all laid out for us. So the word of God may not be discredited. Verse 6. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. This is a daily practice for the young men. And for young men, it's just as hard. It was probably, I don't know, I don't know for young men. I remember what it, was, what it was like being young. But it's probably harder even now for young men to be self-controlled. Because there's the access to the internet. To be self-controlled. You know, don't do something you shouldn't do as young men. Young kids who are here today, young, young kids, you are to have daily self-control. How do you do that, though? How do you do that when all of you have been given a free phone? How, how do you do that? It's harder for you because when we were growing up and going to high school, we didn't have cell phones, right? Somebody said we had beepers. I don't, you know, we just beep, beep, beep. We didn't have that. But you young people are to practice self-control daily and so that you get a phone. Why do, how do you get a free phone? You know why? Because the company says, I'm going to get mom a phone and dad a phone. And guess what? Because you have two phones. We're going to get you the third one for free. And so the third one goes to the daughter. Third one goes to the son. And so you have to practice daily self-control because back then they didn't either. And they still don't do today. But it's even far worse today. Because you know what you do on them phones. That's why we need to put blocks on them phones before you give them out. So they can't do anything that you know that their flesh will do. And don't act like mom and mom and dad don't act like they can't do it or that my son would never do that. Remember, we are totally depraved. We need Jesus. Our, our sinful thoughts are always running, running in our head all the time. That's why we need the word of God. Be sound in faith as older men as Paul has instructed Titus. Young men, be self-controlled. How do you be self-controlled? Get involved in sports. In school. Do something at school to keep you active. Keep your mind from off being the computer. Do some stuff at church, of course. Get involved with church. Have time with your friends and family, but it should be a productive time. And also, us as young men, older men, we need to mentor these young men. Every man here who's older should be mentoring somebody. We should be mentoring somebody and discipling somebody. And if you're not, then you better find somebody and start mentoring them. Because that's what you have been mandated to do. It's my job to tell it. But you know what? Pastor's doing it. You need to do it too. Find somebody you can help. Talk to somebody. Take them out to dinner. Take them to Jack in a Box. Talk with them. Mentor young men. You know the road they're following. You know where they're going already. You already see it. You are because you've been there already. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. We've already been there and we've done that. Only thing that changes, really, I don't even know what has changed. The clothes seem to remain the same. <laughs> Look, I wore this. I, I wore this in 19, <laughs> 1985, brother, you know. 
<laughs> we we got to mentor young people. Let's mentor the young people. Speaking of the men, men need to do this very thing. Verse 7, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, men need to teach, show integrity. Show integrity, meaning don't be teaching them something corrupt. Give them sound teaching instead of some corrupt teaching. And that's what happens when, when you don't, you're not getting sound teaching in church and you're going you're gonna to teach your kid your own theology and your own way and it's all twisted and wicked. And they go out there and you wonder why they're still messing up. But yet you come to church all the time. Have sound doctrine. I challenge you to even research what I'm teaching you. You should. You should go to the word of God. and read. Does it really say that? Did he say I'm supposed to do that? Because probably you're thinking that right now because I just told you to go find a young man and mentor. Like, what? I'm going to research that when I get home. <laughs> and sound speech. <laughs> and sound speech. Verse 8. Sound speech. No profanity. That cannot be condemned. You know how that is when us as men of God, as young people, young people are here today, you young kids, you probably have, you're in shock that your mom who loves the Lord or your dad who loves the Lord may have said a foul word in the house. Shh, don't say nothing to nobody. Don't, don't, don't be telling pastor. Right? But sometimes that will happen. That's just who we are. We are sinful people, but we say, oops, forgive me, Lord. I didn't mean to say that. And then you clean it up and you don't do it. But if you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep cussing, you keep cussing all the time, how do you expect these kids to respect you? Because when they come in the house of God and they see mom raising their hand praising Jesus, but she was cussing out the neighbor just last night. Because they look up and look up at mom, you know, something sitting there and on their phone like... Looking up at mom like, I don't get this. I, what? It's their fault. Have self-control. Watch your mouth. Why is it important? Because this, so that an opponent, who's the opponent? It could be an unbeliever. It could be somebody in church or it could be the devil and all his demons may be put to shame. Put them to shame. Meaning they're at a loss of words because you always stand by what you say and you are not going to abide by a foul tongue. If you learn to control that, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can control your tongue. Number nine, bond servants. Just, I'm, I have to go over this part, and I'm going to end because I don't want to keep you that long. I don't want to hold you hostage. Verse, <laughs> verse nine, bond servants. Bond servants ought to be submissive to their own masters. This was um, very, slavery is in the Bible, but slavery is produced because of sinful man. God never intended it to be this way. But because slavery is in the Bible and slavery has to be talked about, um, slavery here was, was, was sort of a socioeconomical issue, meaning that people didn't have money at this particular time. They owed debts. So he said, hey, I'm going to go work for you. I'm a doctor. I'm going to go work for you. Or, hey, I, I can do great stuff when I'm a handyman, but I got to go work for you. Yeah. I got to go work for you. I got to pay off my debt. So I'm, you're my master. I'm your slave. And so there's ways to submit to this. Um, but there was very, very cruel masters. But there were some very, very good masters. We're speaking, there were actually Christians who had slaves as well. Believers who, they would come, that's a man of God over there. Like, if I, like, if I, oh, like me and Ella Dave, right? Ella Dave, I'm going to Ella Dave. Man, look, um, I'm struggling. I got no money, man. But you know what? I'll work for you for free. I'll go put that fence up that Donald's been telling you about for years. I'm going to go put that fence up for you this weekend. I'm going to go work for him. <laughs> I'm going to go work for the man. That's like slavery. 
But how does it apply today? How does it apply today? The employer and the employee. You know how some of you get treated badly at work? Some of you get treated badly at work. You want to file grievances. You want to do all this stuff to make sure maybe the boss find, gets fired or something. Well, the word of God, we're going to get to talk about this next week in great detail on what you're supposed to do. But follow along here. Bond servants or slaves are to be submissive to their masters in everything. It means in everything. It means in, in, in the circumstances of life, they're to be submissive. So you can relate to that to your employer as you are being an employee, or you may be the employer here today. You may be a boss of your own company today, and you have plenty of workers who work for you, and you are absolutely a tyrant. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own master and everything. In other words, circumstances of life, they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. That's so hard. That's so hard for us as employees not to talk bad about our bosses. Really, not to be argumentative, yes, control your tongue, not to be argumentative, not pilfering, you know what that means, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Why is this important? Because Christ suffered for us. He was beaten, battered, bruised, punched in the face, beaten beyond recognition, and never opened up his mouth, yet he could have, and destroyed everybody, but didn't do it. And yet he says, you are, that's our example, the doctrine of God the Savior. How he lived his life, you should live your life, even in the midst of your job that you can't stand. Even in the midst of your job when you have a boss who just wants to get rid of you and is wanting you to quit so that you don't get unemployment. Keep working there and go through it so you can file unemployment if they fire you. Be obedient. Verse 11, we're just going to praise God with the final doxology here. For the grace of God has appeared. Bringing salvation for all people, meaning Christ had come to the earth, bringing salvation for all people. Does this mean all? Does it mean everybody in the world? No, it means all nations, different nations, different people of different ethnicities for those people that he has selected as the doctrine of election. Verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, to have restraint, upright and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from what? Lawlessness. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession. So when it says a people, that's why that, that word there harmonizes with the very one in verse 11, when he says for all people, for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Then it says three things you need to do. Number one, verse 15, declare, meaning to communicate this. If you live this way and you have this doctrine in your life and you have sound teaching, you are then to, to communicate it to others. And you can't communicate it to others because they look at your life and they say, that is a man of integrity. His life is, he has credibility. I see the way he lives his life. So yeah, I can, I can listen to what he's saying. But you're not going to listen to somebody who's up and down, wishy-washy, as always doing something on the opposite. You're not going to listen to somebody like that. You're going to be like, man, you still need Jesus. So you are to declare these things. Communicate these things. Exhort, mean encourage them. Declare it, but encourage one another instead of beating people down. Encourage them. That's my job. Your job isn't to do that. Your job is to exhort them. And it says this, and rebuke, meaning you should bring conviction to them when you speak to them with all authority. In other words, expose it. Let no one disregard you. Kids, I told you this word is for you today. Ariana, all the little girls over there, it's words for you today. Young man, now your mom and the dad are going to be on watch because they're going to be watching everything they say. And you're going to be listening to them too. 
You're going to be listening to them too. But we need to mentor you young men. Older women need to mentor the younger women. That's our job. That's what we need to do. We need to get together and talk. If you need help, we have to help you. We need to be here to help you. We should help you because we love you. You are the body of Christ. We need to help you in your situation. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let us pray.